Force and you're listening to the Four Sides Podcast. And don't forget to tell all your little baby dork-ass friends to listen to the Four Sides Podcast too. Otherwise, War Horse is going to rule your ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Four Sides Podcast. I am your host, Caleb Carter. Uh, Noah couldn't be with us again because uh, he's off doing something. I don't know what. But today's a very, very special episode. Now, before I introduce our guest, let me tell you something. Um, I started, as many of you probably know, I started going to indie wrestling shows in about 2016. And the first person I seen come out of the curtain was the guy we have on the show here tonight and if you would have told me what four or five years ago that um we'd be doing a podcast together well i'd probably i'd probably say you're batshit crazy <laughs> but here he is he is the ccw heavyweight champion brandon barbwire brandon how's it going man good that was a nice introduction by the way i appreciate that yeah um special request from my dad actually um he wants me to say sorry we didn't do this sooner. Oh hey, no problem at all. I was any time is a good time, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's not like you don't have a ton of other people that you could choose, so I I mean I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. Um so I always like to start off with um this. So obviously we get into this business because we're fans of wrestling, right? Right. I mean there's probably only a select few people that are in it and not wrestling fans, but what got you in, like, what made you a wrestling fan? Uh, so, um, my uncle, Glenn Allen, we all called him Bub. Uh, when I was real little, he was the first person to introduce me to wrestling. Because, like, my, I don't come from a wrestling family. Like, no one else in my family gives a shit about wrestling at all, really. Um, but my uncle Bub, he, he did. So, he was a big Hulk Hogan fan. And then at that time, uh, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan. Uh, but it's all because of him. Like, if it hadn't been for him setting me down and having me watch that stuff with him, I, no one else in my family would have ever introduced me to it. And then, of course, as I got a little older and he kind of went his separate ways, and then the height of uh, the WCW, WWF at the time, Monday Night Wars and stuff was a big deal for me. I would, I would record WWF and then watch uh, Nitro live. And so then I was like a big Sting fan on one hand and then jump over. And, of course, um, once Steve Austin, the Stone Cold thing started really taking off, I was a huge Stone Cold fan too. So it's really all that all there is to it. I just never really allowed myself to fall out of it completely. You know, I get a lot of people on here that say they kind of started watching in the Ruthless Aggression era or the Attitude era. And it's kind of interesting. I don't really get a lot of guests on here that say they kind of started watching during uh, what they called the golden era with the hogans the warriors the <clears throat> randy savages so that's really cool well the thing about that is is like i was so young that like i didn't have an appreciation for what that era was at the time for me it was just these larger than life guys you know what i mean yeah. and especially with the warrior who i mean we could <sighs> anybody will for the most part tell you that his his work was not the best but from a character standpoint as far as grabbing somebody like a kid my age especially an adhd hyper kid like me like warrior was was oh. it man oh absolutely same with hogan yeah and then you put the two of them you know going up against each other and that i mean i was sold i was completely sold on that you know if if <clears throat> correct me if i'm wrong but i think that was probably the first big babyface versus babyface match in wrestling 
I mean, on the level of being able to look at it and be like, this is clearly what this is, where you didn't have someone that was kind of walking that line of maybe he's kind of a heel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you might be right. At least on, like, a big stage like that anyway. Right. Because they had uh, they had Hogan and Savage. They kind of built that for a year where they were both face, and then uh, Savage turned heel. Yeah, you so, gradually get that turn, so. Yeah. So it's usually... It's usually good guy versus bad guy, but that was kind of, like I said, that was kind of the first good guy versus good guy. And then they hugged afterwards, so that was right. that was kind of the first uh, first one of those we've seen in wrestling. Thing is, is like I was so young at the time, like I'm not even sure, like, I don't remember if like we were watching the, the pay-per-view or if it was a tape that he had had, or I'm not even sure how it would come about. I was so young, he would just put it on and we would watch those things, but... We watch wrestling in, in general, but I wish I could. I wish I could remember not only like the specific timeline, so that I could go back and and kind of say was I actually into it when it was happening or just after. Yeah. But either way, I it. You know, five five year old brain was five or six year old brain was pretty into it. Yeah, it's cool <laughs> to like watch it as a kid and then kind of go back and watch it as an adult and kind of. The differences of, like, what you think of it. Well, the crazy thing is, is going back, like, and like you said, seeing, like, the massive difference. Because younger me loved the warrior. Older me can't hardly watch him at all. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a bit much. Yeah. So what was that, uh, what was that one point where you fell in love with wrestling so much that you wanted to get into the business? You wanted to be a wrestler. Hmm. <laughs> The thing is, is that I've wanted to be a wrestler so long that I don't even really remember what the catalyst was. Like, it's just always sort of been there. I, and I, I, so I would guess if I had to, if I had to put, put it to a, to a specific moment in time, just sitting around with, with my Uncle Bub. You know, I mean, and seeing like the way that he would react to everything. And I think at that point in time, I pretty well knew this was something that I, I wanted to do even as a kid, or at least play with it. But when I was a kid, there wasn't anything I didn't want to be. I want to be an astronaut too. But you know, there's a there's a bunch of stuff that I wanted to do as a kid. But the things that stood the test of time, like they slowly fall off as you get older and a little more mature. Some things you kind of just sort of they they just disappear over time. Wrestling just never did. And it's, but as long as I can remember, it's it's always been there. Yeah. To one extent or another. Okay, so I think when I first met you, you had, um, I think you were going on either 15 or 16 years of experience. Uh, at the time you met me, it would have been 14. So you're probably coming up on probably about 20 years now. Let's see, is this 2016? It's weird to, to think because I, I, don't, I don't keep count anymore, but yeah, I mean, I was at about 14 years in when I met you back in 2016, so. Yeah, I mean, we're we're right there in that, that twenty range. That's insane. I can't believe that. <laughs> Time gets away from you. So if the math's correct, um, you probably started in like the early two thousands. Yeah. Like, what where what was your start in wrestling? So um, there was a show called LAW. Okay, and uh, Jeff O'Dell was actually one of the guys that was running that show. You know, the same ring that CCW uses today is the 
the same ring that I did took my first bump in. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, whenever we were getting CCW together, and I knew we were going to use Jeff and his ring and stuff, uh, for me, it was kind of a full circle moment because I was like, well, not only is this all this time later, and the first bump that I ever took is coming back into this ring. Uh, I had been coming off of a, a serious neck injury uh, whenever CCW was kicking off, and so it was the first show that I was going to work regularly that I knew, like, I can commit my time here, I'm better, I'm, and I'm ready to go. And the fact that, you know, it was Jeff's ring again, and I'm like, you know, there's a, there's a certain attachment that I had to that ring anyway. So that was, that was pretty pretty crazy to think about overall because whenever I started out I had gone to the little LAW show in Dexter and I think it was their old high school gymnasium or something that they were doing the show in they had like bleacher seatings and stuff All right. and um, I talked to Derek King after the show and Derek King was there working the show told him I was thinking about training and wanted to get into it and he gave me his phone number he's like we're running a school in Dyersburg so if if you're really interested, you know, let me know. One thing led to another, and I found myself in Dyersburg training with Derek King and uh, a man named Motley Cruz. And good old Motley Cruz, I've heard that name yeah, a lot so of times. Derek uh, didn't do as much of the in-ring training; like he was mostly there to polish and kind of work on. You know, eventually you get to the point where you work on personality stuff, mic stuff, uh, psychology, and just just things like that. Uh, Motley was the one teaching me the bumps and, and uh, getting familiar with, with the ring and understanding that there's a certain way that I have to be able to, to move my body. I had a problem with flailing a lot, and he, he tuned all that out. But Motley is an amazing trainer. He's probably helped more guys in the South than anyone else. I mean, nobody down there doesn't know who Motley is. And he's, he's an amazing guy, and he was always really good to me. And he didn't have to be. I mean, this is a guy who been wrestling for friggin' ever and definitely has, has all the chops that, that you would want in a trainer. And, you know, me, some kid who had no ties to the business whatsoever, really had no idea what the hell I was doing. He was just always really good to me. But Motley, Motley's someone who really kind of helped shape me in the, in the beginning. That's great. And then, like you said, Derek was there to kind of help you with the with the psychology, the character, so to say. Uh, right. Uh, or at least he, he would have been, had I been able to, to be there on that, on that very back end of it. So like my, my training situation got kind of weird near, near the end. And there was a bunch of drama that went on between Derek. And at the time, keep in mind, I'm, I'm 15 years old. So like, I don't have my own car. Um, and I'm riding down there with my aunt. You started when you were 15? Started training when I was 15. Oh yeah. I mean, training. still, um, well, you know, in Tennessee, there's not really like an athletic commission. And right. There's not, there's not all the rules and stipulations come with there. So it was a, it's a loophole down there where you can go in and get involved earlier than, than most would. Yeah. You know? I mean, I hear about guys from Tennessee like uh, Aaron Roberts, Zay Washington starting mm -hmm. early. But, I mean, yeah. for somebody from Missouri to start that early, like I haven't really heard a lot about that. Well, keep in mind at the time, like... At the time that this all took place, I was 15. This is the early 2000s, 2005, 2006, something like that. And there was nothing here. Right. Like, there was nothing here. If I wanted to go and learn somewhere, I was going to have to leave, and I knew that. Um, but the question was, where was I going to go? And I could go up to St. Louis and try my luck up there, but I'm 15, and that's still Missouri, and that was a no-go. 
Right. So if I wanted to get my feet wet, I needed to find some place where I could do that. And Tennessee, uh, especially the Dyersburg area, it was a sh slightly shorter drive, and I was allowed to do what the hell I wanted. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it worked out. Yeah. And here we are. Right. <laughs> All this time later. Um, but no, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of, of Motley. Well, that's great, man. I've always heard great things about Motley Cruz. Um, never met the guy in person, but I always hear his name left and right. So yeah, you're missing out. He's he's a great dude. Yeah. Does he still do stuff? Yeah, he uh, he still trains and teaches. He still works uh, here and there. Uh, I'm not sure how heavy his schedule is at this point. Last I heard, he was doing a lot of stuff in Tupelo, Mississippi. Okay. Um, but even now, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's still something he's doing or not. But Motley's the kind of guy. I think he'll be involved one way or another till the day he dies. Yeah, I could see that. So what time frame was it where you actually got in the ring and started wrestling? Mm. So probably two years into the training situation, um, I booked my first show. So and even that was controversial because uh, not I say controversial, but it's not like to the general public. But because of all the drama that went down between Derek and my aunt and all that stuff, she decided she wasn't taking me down there anymore. So my head at the time is just spinning because I'm thinking this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get my foot in the door here, and now she's not going to take me back. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I don't have a ride. I had made a friend uh, named uh, Frankie. Uh, and he wrestled under the name Anton LeVay. Yeah, I've heard that name too. Right? So I was hanging out with him a lot. And this was before he had even broke in. But he was good friends with Motley. And uh, one of Motley's old uh, rings he had let Frank and his family have. And they had it set up in the backyard. So I was like, okay, so if I can just get down to Frank's house and stay there, I can try and uh, not only stay there, but then bring Frank down to train with me. It just was a train wreck. We got down there. We would train and work out in his ring, trying to go over the stuff that Motley taught me there, but without any kind of real coaching or whatever. And then I couldn't actually get back up there because even once I got down there, the agreement was supposed to be I would help there at the house with the chores and, and, and whatever else. And then um, we would go and collect cans on the side of the road and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then she would give us a ride to Dyersburg. Well, that never happened. Started running little backyard shows. And we... Got a guy named, uh, uh, I can't remember, uh, Franklin something, another Frank. But he wrestled under the name uh, Criminile. All right. And he was booking a show, or no, he was working a show in, uh, just off of South Parkway in Memphis. I think it was MAW. And so I booked, he helped us get booked on that, and that was our first show. And I was dog shit. Like, it was, it was worse. Like, it was worse than, than I would care to remember. I was just that bad. But Derek found out about it and got livid because he's more or less just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I didn't tell you you could go work somewhere, you know? Uh, so that kind of got me in trouble for a little bit. But that's really where it started because at that point I was like, well, I, I was impatient. I always have been. And I had I kicked off the training wheels and just sort of jumped in there. And I, I wasn't about to take steps backward. So from that point on, it was more or less learning from who I could, where I could. I uh, learned a lot from guys like... Austin Lane along the way, guys like uh, Brickhouse Brown knew uh, Frank pretty well and would come and, uh, every now and then he would stay at uh, Frank's house whenever they were both going to be booked on a show or whatever, so I learned quite a bit from him at one point in time. And from that point on, most of, most of my training was just sort of trial by fire in the moment, learn as much as I can from as many guys as I could. 
So I guess was that kind of when I guess you kind of broke away from Derek King and kind of just yeah, more or less started um, going doing your own thing. Well, I'm, and I'm not sure if because I've never really had this conversation in depth with Derek, um, but I think doing that had uh, had really offended him to a point where, and understandably so, because even now looking at back on it, like I should not have accepted a booking anywhere at that point in time, like. Without a doubt, I, I was not ready. I did not have the skill set. And if one of my guys right now asked me uh, uh, training early on that if they could book a show, I'd have been like, no. So, I mean, I understand the perspective now, but stupid, young, dumb, impatient, impulsive. I did what I did. I understand it being irritated about it, but more or less that's kind of where we, we separated because at that point, for the longest time after that, Derek more or less was like, fuck that kid, <laughs> which I get it. I really do. That's not the situation now, and anytime I see Derek, he's always very friendly. Well, that's good, you know. Like, there's always going to be some kind of drama in wrestling. That's just how it is. Yeah. Like I, I understand his position. It's yeah. just, if I could go back and tell, you know, 15, 16-year-old Brandon to pull his head out of his ass, I would. But it's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> we are where we are, you know. So, um, I guess you kind of wrestled in the Tennessee area a lot. A lot in Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, uh, spent some time in Illinois. Uh, most, uh, I didn't, surprise, I mean, given everything, I, I wish I wrestled more in Missouri because I'm from here. But really, up until CCW, I hadn't worked a whole lot in Missouri. I remember getting a Missouri's license and I used that maybe twice. Yeah, but like you said, there wasn't really a lot of places to yeah. work in Missouri at that time. Yeah, not, not a whole lot going on here. And then what was going on in the St. Louis area is kind of like, um, if, they, if they're not familiar with you, you know what I mean, and yeah. you show up down there to, to help out or whatever, it doesn't really mean that you're, you're going to work. And again, like I said, I was, I was impatient and, and really stupid um, at that point in time in my, in my adolescence. But if I were smarter, I would have told myself, you need to go down there. You need to be ring crew. You need to be busting your ass, paying your dues. And these are all things that um, come to me with time. Eventually, you know, it clicked. Like, well, you're, you're expecting things that you haven't earned. And thank, thank God it didn't take me too long to learn that lesson because that's, that's, a, that's a real good way to start off on, on a bad foot in the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can tell that to anybody. Yeah. yeah. Probably know some mutual people. But we won't get into that. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, I guess you kind of, what were some, like you are, you said MAW and uh, LAW. What were some other kind of notable promotions that you kind of worked for? Notable promotions? Well, maybe not notable, but just whatever you're willing to spit well, out, the, I guess. Well, the issue with that is, is there's like a hundred thousand different wrestling uh, promotions that have opened up shop and then shut their doors down. And especially in, in the South where, you know, opening up a wrestling company, especially for, you know, the guys that are in the business, that's something that happens. Like a company will open up, it'll shut down three years later. And then in the same building under a different name, a whole new company opens up, but they're using the same fucking guys. So, I mean, I've worked for a ton of companies, but it always felt like it was the same damn company in a lot of ways. Uh, down there and then whenever you uh, kind of branch out and go to Illinois and stuff like I've, I've always been really bad about not keeping track of where I'm at and what I'm doing for the simple fact that in my head I'm like this is what I'm doing now 
this isn't really what I'm, I'm overly concerned with moving forward. The places, I'll tell you the places that I've enjoyed working the most. That worked. So, uh, obviously CCW, it's here um, near my home. Um, and the show that we've been able to, to build, uh, I'm very proud of. Um, and so I would say probably of, of all my experience, CCW might be my favorite thing that, that I've, I've been a part of on a, on a regular basis. Um, there was a company in, uh, in Tennessee called uh, New Breed Wrestling, uh, and that was probably eight or nine years ago. And it wasn't that it was a great show. I just enjoyed what I was doing. I was, yeah. I was working with somebody down there who was really talented uh, at the time. Let's see. You're calling him the the comeback kid. What was his What was his actual name? I can't remember his That's actual right. name. But uh, either way, I was just enjoying working with him a lot, and I was getting to kind of stretch my wings as a heel in that company. So I remember that quite a bit. Um, so is this the new breed wrestling that runs in Missouri right now, or is this no, a, no, no? Okay. This, so this one died and was replaced with, like I said, another company that took its place. I think the company that took its place was TIWF. Oh, good. Oh, no, 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 no. TWF. TW. Okay. TWF. And um, like I said, it seemed it felt like more like the same shit, just under you know different storylines. That just seems like Tennessee, you know? Yeah, and, and that it gets really tiring, but I just enjoyed that promotion. And then in uh, Union City, uh, when they first opened their doors, uh, UCW, I enjoyed working there quite a bit because I, I knew everybody in the back and everybody was cool. Um, but, of course, drama ended up ruining that place too. All right, go figure. Yeah, but I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, and really anything else that, I, that I've... I've done with any of the the bigger like uh, NWATNA when when they were doing their thing or whatever like I wasn't really doing anything like it was just a, a situation of being there if they needed me yeah you know but never I've never been contracted to a major company and so I mean for the most part my focus has always been about no matter where I'm at making sure that when I leave. I did my job and that the fans were entertained by whatever it was I did. Yep. That's a good philosophy. It's always been my main focus. Yep. That's good. So CCW is probably your, well, definitely your main place right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, after the neck injury, so I used to be wrestling all the time. After the neck, though, things had to slow down a little bit. Um, I needed to make sure that I even could. And so... With CCW, uh, we, we it's a monthly show, so it's not like I'm I'm having to put a real grind on my body. So yeah. for the first little while, really, all I was doing was CCW um, and trying to, to branch out where I could, yeah. you know, um, over time. But as of right now, CCW is really the thing that I'm most focused on. So this was a neck injury before CCW, correct? Oh yeah, because uh, I think I remember. I think I remember. Seeing if you had a Twitter one day, and I found one of your old Twitters, and you were talking about something about an injury, and I think I recall this one tweet where you tweeted DDP Yoga and was like, "Hey, can DDP Yoga help me?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had asked, cause and uh, I don't think he ever got back to me. <laughs> but uh, be big time, yeah. That being said, DDP Yoga did help a little bit uh, with what I was doing. I kind of fell away from it, but it, it helped with a lot of my mobility. 
and being able to kind of actually turn my head again. So that was nice. Well, there you go. You're going to get us that DDP <laughs> yoga sponsorship. <laughs> it, did, it did help me out quite a bit. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, what? I'd like to kind of talk about just kind of your timeline in CCW, if that's cool. Yeah. So, um, first CCW show, we have the tournament. Um, first match, uh, like I said earlier, you were the first wrestler I seen at that show. Um, you were against Sarge, so mm. you take that win. And then Billy Hills takes the win over Jason Vaughn, and that puts you two in the finals. Yeah. And... Of course, we all know how that went. You went over Billy, became the first champion. After that, um, joined the Pinnacle. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun, by the way. Yeah. It seems like you were, you guys are having a good time doing that. Well, the Pinnacle's one of those things where, like, the idea for the Pinnacle, I, I mean, I had had that in my back pocket for a while, and I wasn't sure where I wanted to use it because I knew that wherever we were going to use the Pinnacle thing, I wanted it to be something that was going to be done right. I talked with Jason about it, and so like my idea under Jason's execution, like it, I mean, it was, it was more or less exactly what I had always hoped that it was going to be, and so I really, really enjoyed the the first run of the Pinnacle, and the second run now is just sort of getting started. So yeah, I look forward to see where that where that goes. But yeah, so now that you say that, like, kind of the Pinnacle was a little bit of your like, where did the name Pinnacle come from? So I do a lot of just sort of sitting around and thinking in general and uh, most of it involves wrestling to some extent or another and so I'm constantly trying to think of like what would be a cool concept for a group or, or whatever and in my head like a group of you know badass rogues who more or less are trying to run the whole the whole show like if they're really at the top like I, I, I sat for a while with it I'm like well I mean if they were the pinnacle of professional wrestling, that, that would work out real good. And so then I was dancing with this idea of actually calling myself the pinnacle of professional wrestling. And then I'm like, well, you're not quite that fucking talented, but you could be a part of a group <laughs> <laughs> and you could, you could coast on their shit. And that worked out good. So that's more or less where it came from. Yeah, I think after that, you actually kind of started <laughs> calling yourself the crown jewel of the pinnacle. Actually, someone else gave me that and i'm trying to remember who the hell that was it wasn't chase owens was it no <laughs> mm. it was uh it was hunter hendrix hunter, oh yeah shout out to double h yeah hunter hendrix at, at random at one point one of his uh tweets or whatever or or even maybe it was a facebook comment i'm not sure but he was like uh talking about jeff odell and of course their cra the crown jewel of the pinnacle brandon barbar i'm like that's awesome let me keep that shit <laughs> Uh, yeah, he did do a lot of talking on Facebook back in the day. Yeah. I, you know what the thing is, because I, I CCW and the whole run, I've had a lot of guys that I've really enjoyed working with and a lot of different feuds and shit. But it's a shame that Hunter had to leave when he did because yeah. I was. It's you could arguably say that the whole time that I was feuding with Austin in the first quarter of our shit, I was feuding just as much with Hunter Hendricks. Yeah, and. It was, it was one of my favorite feuds that I've had in the, in in CCW because the thing was is like Hunter was such a straight lace guy and he was such a straightforward manager like he there it's no bullshit he's he's trying to do it right and of course barbed wire is always always twisting shit 
Mm-hmm. He's always taking the narrative and twisting it just enough that he can say that uh, this guy is is the shady one. And if he's not the shady one, it's only because he's a hypocrite and he's pretending to be straight-laced because nobody's straight-laced. Nobody who gets ahead in this business or in this world is straight-laced. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he's such a cynic that working off of someone who was so straight-laced was really nice. Um, and do you remember... Kind of the crescendo to that was there was a cage match between me and Hollis before Hollis, you know, eventually took the title from me. Yeah. Okay. So there was some confusion in that match with the referee, right? A couple of uh, fucked up finishes, mm-hmm. right? Finally, we got the three count. So, like, in my head, I'm like... Wait, I, my... I thought you walked out of the cage on that match. I did at the end because... Oh, oh wait, you're talking about, um, you're talking about when the ref... Was yeah, there were yeah, some ref okay. fumbles. Yeah, because okay? the initial finish for that match was something else. I end up walking out of the cage at the end because I'm like, this is the only thing I can do now that makes any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. So I did right, walked out of the cage, and I remember everybody in the ring, including referee Lane Austin, with this look of oh god, oh god, oh god, like we fucked up, we fucked up, and all I could think is this is gold. Mm-hmm. This is perfect because now I'm going to say that Lane Austin got paid off by Hunter Hendricks because Hunter Hendricks could not stand the thought of me having the title, which would eventually turn out it wasn't Hunter. It was fucking Jeff. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, the whole thing would have come full circle, and it was it was brilliant. I loved it. And the thing was is it all came to me right there. I'm like, well, this, like in the middle of that match, like right there at the end when things were getting fucked up, I was like, That's, this is this is going to work beautifully. We can do this. Then Hunter had to leave and cut out early on that, which is unfortunate. It is. But I really enjoyed um, my interactions with him when he was here. It was unfortunate he had to leave. Yeah. I mean, I I was obviously a fan at the time, so I was more on the barbed wire side. But yeah. um, now that that's passed, I'll say I think you and Hunter had great chemistry, and I enjoyed having Hunter in CCW. So did I. And... Um, now that you say, like, you were going to blame Hunter for paying off the ref and it was going to be Jeff, like, just so many possibilities go off in my brain. Like, like whenever you were feuding with Jeff, like, you could have had Hunter as your manager. Like, well, you see, all this stuff builds up to a point where eventually Jeff fucks me out of my match with Matt Hardy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the thing with, with, with the, uh, cage match, that all happened before. And so it was just supposed to be this slow build. And then we would get to super show. Uh, and then Jeff would throw Hollis the belt, hit me with the fuck job. And now Hollis is his guy. And I'm set on the sidelines for the baby face turn, the anti-hero deal. And we ended up still being able to do all of that, but it would have been a lot more fun if Hunter could have come along for the ride because it would have vindicated him because in his head, there was no guarantee that he he didn't pay me off. Like, and the last thing he went, he was trying to become a teacher, right? So he was worried, I think, a little bit that there might be some bleed over and people would be like, well, why would you do that? Yeah, you I, could, I could see that. It's like, well, it's a fucking show. Right. But in the end, I really think that's mostly what it was. He was just worried about the potential ramifications of what painting him in a slightly bad light, even though... Most people would know that that's not what happened. And it would end with the payoff of him being vindicated, right? I just think it, he, he didn't want to take the risk. Yeah. And, and, I, and I understand. Yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, 
it's a shame it never happened, but at the same time, it's understandable for sure. It, that is probably the the best accidental storyline that I've ever stumbled into, and I hate that it got cut a little short. Fortunately for me, there was enough meat there that we were able to carry it through without it. Yeah, I mean, you and Jeff still did your thing. Yeah. It worked. Like, you got your rematch at the next show after... Um, after Super mm. Show, and then um, you had uh, Mathis come in, yeah. and then yeah. you and Mathis had the little thing going. I enjoy working with Roger a lot, too. That's yeah. a big fucking dude. <laughs> <laughs> he was so goddamn strong. It's crazy. <laughs> well, he grabbed me for that double choke bomb. He comes in, he grabs me with both hands, and I'm, I'm ready to post up for him. And I take my hop, and I feel where I stop on my momentum up. And then I feel them carry me the rest of the way. And I'm like, at the time, I was like almost 240. I'm like, you are a fucking hoss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I seen a video of him doing some powerlifting the other day on the, I think the Stride, shout out to Stride Pro Wrestling, by the way. Um, if you guys think he's just like a big dude that can lift people, like, nah, he he's... Like, I, I wouldn't want to mess with him in real life. No. Like, he, well, he, he's a legitimate badass. I mean, he's a legit... I mean, he he's dabbled in, in MMA. He's... I mean, he's done the whole thing. I mean, the dude is 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 a trained fighter. It's not... He's not just a, a professional wrestler. He's one of the, the few guys in this business who could can legitimately tear, tear most of the guys in the back apart. Like, he's... And, and on top of that, um, still a, a humble... Uh, and, and just good performer. Because here's the thing. A guy like that, like, if at any point in time he decided in the middle of our match, like, mm, maybe you don't go over. Well, then I don't go over. Because if Roger wanted to tear my fucking head off, I don't think... It's like, yeah. Right. It, it's like, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, at that point, I was like, I had to be like, mm, wait, wait, Roger, I'm an entertainer. Slow down. <laughs> uh, so I think after you kind of got done uh, feuding with Mathis, you kind of focused back on getting the CCW title for a little bit but the thing was is that it was it wasn't going anywhere and I was at a point where I was trying to figure out like from day one barbed wire was after the title and he got it he got it day one and then held it for like nine months and was and I had I had a good championship run and once I lost it, I was like, well, now I have an opportunity to kind of character develop from a kind of um, an anti-hero sure. Uh, sure. kind of line. And that will allow me to build up and I'll get back to it. But it just took a really long time to eventually get back there. So over time, uh, while, I'm, while I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing, I'm trying to invest in these different stories. And nothing quite has the gravitas that I wanted uh, for a little while. But then again, I'm... I'm a really harsh critic on myself and my own work. I, I feel like I have to be, otherwise complacency will kill me, you know? But doing the uh, all the stuff I did, like I enjoyed working with Justin because I got to fuck off and have fun. Um, Justin's a very good friend of mine, so... Yep, like, shout out to Justin Smart. Yeah, Justin Smart, amazing guy, great dude, hell of a talent. Uh, and him and Donnie, both. Donnie Six. Yeah, shout out to Donnie, just, too. Very talented guys, but good people, like good dudes. And um, working with Justin, you know, I hadn't got to work with Justin in forever. So if you go back and watch the stuff that I did with Justin, there was a lot of, of fun, silly stuff. We did like an eye poke marathon and shit. And 
I just had a lot of fun working with him, but I knew it wasn't building to anything. But at the same time, CCW was trying to establish other stars and other champions. Right. So I mean, I needed to I needed to set back for a while. But uh, after a while, I kind of felt like I really wasn't doing anything of any substance, and that bothered me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just kind of to rewind a little bit, kind of after after you finished up with Mathis, um, you kind of. When was this? Oh, it was the second homecoming show. Um, Austin wins the belt in the ladder mm. match from Hollis. Uh, right. Due to your help, kind of. Uh, the barbed wire in the box. The barbed wire in the box. Oh yeah. yeah, the barbed wire yeah. in the box. Yeah, did the barbed wire in the box. So I think that's kind of. I think that's kind of whenever I first started realizing like you're kind of an anti-hero, like you're, like you're trying to get revenge on the pinnacle, but also you're not forgetting about that title and right. Austin Lane. Um. Who you two are just work so well together. Oh, thank you. And that's that's just like one of those. Uh, I guess we call them fight forever feuds these days. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what we call them. So um, that kind of that kind of builds to um, another match between you guys, and I think Austin turns heel on this match, and due to a pinnacle interference, if mm. I'm correct. Maybe. I'm trying to remember if he actually, if that was with me or if he had already made that turn by the time that we were having our second go around. I think what, I think what happened, Del Tucker was, yeah, it was Del Tucker. He handed the, it was, I don't remember, I'd have to go back and watch it again, but somebody distracted the ref and then somebody threw the belt and Austin hit you with it. Right. That's what Right. Okay. So that whole thing leading up to so for anyone who maybe doesn't remember or didn't see it, there was a point when um, Austin Lane won the title from Hollis Jarreau, and the way that that had gone down was, of course, Hollis Jarreau was Pinnacle's big guy, um, and Austin was the really their their main guy. They were trying to keep away from the title. Me and Austin, anyway. And we rolled out a box that had weapons and shit in it. Well, I was hiding in the box, so whenever we're coming up on the close of the match, on the go home, I pop up out of the box like a jack-in-the-box. I come in, I pull Hollis down, hit him with my with my finisher, um, and then I, I get to Austin, and I rouse Austin. I tell him to get his ass up there and get the belt. So that's how Austin wins the title. And then Barbed Wire turns around and insists that the only reason that he's the champion at all is because of me. So he owes me this, he owes me that. Um, and yeah, eventually he ended up blasting me in the head with the belt, making the full-on heel turn. Um, and in that period of time, I think that's the same time that I was, I had like a three-match little run with, maybe it was two, with, uh, with Dale Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it ended with, uh, it was you and Dale at the second Super Show, and you won and shaved Jeff's head. That was kind of, mm, yeah. that was kind of the end of the, I guess that was kind of the end of the barbed wire pinnacle feud yeah. at the time. Like that was just kind of a good close to that story. The only thing about that that I didn't like, I liked all of it up to the point that at the same time, I'm trying to remember who we had there that night, but we had someone there that night and they were doing a photo op in the ring at that time. Um, and so 
people pay like five bucks or whatever to get a picture with 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 whoever. Was it James Storm? Maybe I think it was. But all I could think is like I'm up on the stage and I'm shaving Jeff's head up on the stage while this is going on in the ring, and I'm like, and this, this isn't getting any attention. Yeah, at I was all. like, I was like, this doesn't mean a fucking thing now. Like we should have done his photo op right after I shaved Jeff's head. It would have taken a total of three minutes. Right. It's like, I have clippers. I wasn't doing it with scissors. It would have been fast. That's the that's the one thing out of the whole first run with the Pinnacle up to when I was finally done with him that I didn't like was the blow off on it where we were being done was me shaving Jeff's head. And it ended up becoming a side note up on the stage. Yeah, unfortunate. That annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, at least YouTube got the footage though. Yeah. If you want to see that, uh, go back to the Cape Championship Wrestling YouTube page. Uh, episodes of Chaos, I believe. Mm-hmm. Season... Two, maybe? I believe it's two. Okay. So after that's when you kind of start to work with Justin a little mm-hmm. bit. And then, unfortunately, you kind of suffer another injury that keeps you <laughs> out for a while. Right. So he hits me with a schoolboy. And I go to roll back out of it. And something in my neck pops and then gets weird all down this shoulder. Which, by the way, before that moment, I could feel this. Like, and now, like, my trap down to my shoulder, it's numb. It's been numb ever since. It doesn't hurt. I haven't lost strength and I haven't lost mobility. You just can't feel it. But I can't fucking feel it. It's the weirdest thing. Um, But in the meantime, I had to, because I I was ready to come back to work and Jason's like, you need to chill. He's like, if you can't feel that, that something's up. He's like, you need to take some time, rehab and see what's going on. So I think he sidelined me for like three months and then let me come back. I think it was three or four. Maybe. Okay, because I think I remember you doing like some manager stuff. Yeah, briefly, just so continuing was, with uh, continue. Uh, sorry, continuing with the Justin. I think you uh, managed Baracus a couple times. Yeah. So basically, what it was is I was I was helping uh, put together uh, matches in the back and kind of being like an agent, kind of, uh, and then doing like managerial shit uh, here and there, which you know. Any excuse to be around the business, sure. I, I mean, I'm going to take it. Any excuse to be there. But it wasn't the most fulfilling thing because all I could think was this is like the worst time to, to have this. Because I had I had big plans for me and Justin and that shit all over it, unfortunately. Yeah. Another one of those guess we'll never know things. Well, like the whole idea, and I told Justin, I was like, here's what we'll do. Like, we'll start silly and ridiculous and will gradually get more aggressive every match to the point that we are, are are really throwing at each other. And I had I had a lot of fun stuff I wanted to do with that. Unfortunately, um, I got sidelined for a few months. And, it, it, of course, you can't just have Justin set idle. So by the time that I'm ready to come back, he's doing other shit. And right. Understandably. Sure. So um, you take kind of a little bit of a break doing the... The agent stuff. Um, I think you came back at the third Super Show. You were um, mm-hmm. Joey O'Reilly's tag team partner. Right. Yeah. Because he had that little... Uh, I think it was a clipboard they had. Like, he won the scramble earlier that night. So he gets a t- any title shot, any time. Uh, Wise Church just got blasted by the Steiners. Uh, if you want to see that, go back on Fight TV or Super Show 3. I'm getting those plugs in, man. Man, there was a ton of of people there that night. That (laughs) That was was probably, I think that was probably one of the more attended CCW shows. It's definitely top three. It might be, 
top two. So interesting story on a side note. Um, I don't remember who this was, but it was it was some dude from Tennessee. I don't know if he was a worker or not, but he was blasting CCW, saying that uh, CCW sucks, like Tennessee's better, and like CCW doesn't get a lot of fans. And then yeah. uh, shout out to Damone. I miss Damone. <laughs> I um, like Damone. So uh, Damone said, hey, we're having a big show in a few weeks. I'm going to take a picture, and I'll send you the picture of it, and... I think there were like six or seven hundred people there that night. Yeah, that was and, a lot of <laughs> and like the Moan's picture was just it was just so beautiful. I'm sure it was uh one of those things where whoever he sent that to was like, ah well that's embarrassing. Yeah, probably deleted the comment, probably blocked me. How you know the thing is though, is this business there's a lot of great people in this business. But there's there's more people in this business who think that they're better than they are. There's I would say that probably the majority of the guys in this business think that they're better than they actually are. And they think that what they're doing is always better than whatever is around them. And, you know, for me, I, I just, I don't really get it. Like, I don't understand why we need to compare shows. Right. Like, this show is this show. And your show is, is your show. I don't understand why we're making comparisons or why one has to necessarily be better than the other. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But you've got some guys in this business that if they're... Because if that same dude was booked at CCW and if he was doing something that he gave a shit about, he would be singing a very different song. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? And in the end, it just seems like some guys are like, if I'm not one of their top stars, I'm going to shit on them. Mm -hmm. And it's... Fucking pathetic. It it really is. It's just bitterness, you know. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Oh, uh, so after Super Show, you and Joey kind of team up for a couple shows. Then you drop the belts to the Wise <laughs> Church, and then that's kind of where you go back to being a heel. Mm-hmm. Well, see, the idea was um, he wanted to bring me. In. Jason wanted me to come back and do something um, of note, and he's like, "You haven't held the tag title yet." And he's like. So let's let's try and go ahead and get that going and put you in a direction of something good. I was like, but the thing is, is like, Barbar is not really a team player, right? Never really has been, and so it's kind of weird that I would. It's not weird that I would agree to do it to have another title, and it's not weird that I would fuck over Joey. But it's weird that Joey would be like, Barbar seems like a nice guy. <laughs> let's be friends. Yeah, you know, because his character's never been kind of aloof or dumb or anything like. So I was like, we can do this, but we're going to need to blow this off quick unless you're planning on actually having us be like a tag team that runs and does shit. And he had no interest in really doing that. Um, sure. So we ended up turning And I ended up having two really, no, three really good matches with Joey. My favorite probably in the cage with him. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Joey's a phenomenal talent. Like, he's so athletic, and he can work with anybody. And I, I really enjoyed working with Joey. Joey's... Joey's pretty fucking good, man. Yeah, he is. So I think after after that, you kind of... You say they're trying to put belts on you. Um, they put the pure openweight title on you. Mm, yeah, so the idea was... I think at this point, Hollis was like our first like Grand Slam champion. Mm-hmm. Like, had, had them all. Yeah, I believe so. And um, and then they were trying to... They were doing essentially the same thing with Jackson. And so at some point... I, I'm not sure what had happened or, or what inspired it, but I had felt I felt like the shit I was doing was kind of stale anyway. Um, but 
uh, Jason at one point was like, I think I'm going to go ahead and put the uh, the pure open weight title on you. And then he's like, the thing is, is I don't feel like that that title feels important. He's like, Could, is there anybody you can make it feel important? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And then Corona. Yeah. Dos Rona hit. And everything that I planned to do with it pretty much fell to shit. Yeah, that title was actually getting a lot of... Like, they brought in Carlito to face mm-hmm. you. Like, that title was getting a lot of recognition. And that's what I was... That's that's what we were talking about, was he's like, you know, right now, the only title that we have that has any importance was the heavyweight title. He's right. like, and even that has waned over time. He's like, it doesn't feel important. And I was like, well, you don't have guys doing promos about the title. You don't have anyone who who cherishes and covets that title. Like, that's, that's the problem. Like, that title's as important as you make it. And that's true for any title. Like, if the title doesn't mean dick to you and you don't talk about it and you don't seem proud of it then no one gives a shit right right and um so the plan was to to try and help boost up that title again and you know of course with coronavirus i ended up setting with with the belt at the house more than anything and i'm like it does no good right now to plug anything about this belt when i have no idea when i'm going to be able to actually do something with it Furthermore, by the time we come back, all the stories that we have been running at that point, they are in the ether now. They are gone. People's, most people that are in our audience, they're not going to remember what the fuck we were doing right. X amount of months ago. I mean, it's hard enough running a monthly show. you got to keep people's attention 30 days in between. And, you know, but if you separate that out by what, how long were we on? I think it was like three or four months. It, was, it seemed like a year. It seemed like an eternity. I think it might have been six months, honestly, before we were able to actually do a, a show again. And then, like, everything was so touch and go for a long time. But uh, I wish it, that things had been a little different with the Pure Open Way title because I would have enjoyed making that title a little, little more prestigious. And I was fortunate enough to work with Carlito, who was kind enough to, to put me over. And he was, he was great to work with, too. Yeah. Super, super cool guy. So after we get back from uh, the coronavirus, um, I think you dropped the belt to Sarge, and then... Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so... Uh, That fucking... Okay, I like Sarge, and I'm not not shitting on him at all. Right. right? And I don't have a problem with the world putting the title on him. But the whole point of doing it was he hadn't been around. Right, he hadn't really been around. And he comes back, we put the title on him. We're supposed to start doing our, our little thing. Our, our, we're supposed to have a very short, little, brief feud to kind of close off my shit with with the pure open weight, and then I can focus back maybe towards the heavyweight title or just whatever. We weren't sure where we were going after that. He wins the title and then just disappears. disappears. Yeah, and that shit annoys me so much because if someone, if you're working for a company. I know people say that these belts are all just props and gimmicks and shit, right? And to an extent, that is, that's true. But in the end, your job is to make that title mean something. It's as much a gimmick as you make it, right? If you conduct yourself like that's a championship and it's important to you, fans want to buy the narrative. That's why they come to the fucking show. They're ready to sell in on whatever you're wanting to put out there. As long as the product isn't dog shit. And then he fucking, he takes off. And I'm like, this was all for nothing. So now we have a vacant pure open weight title. 
And he he I put him over and now he's just he's just gone. I'm like this is it's too open ended. Yeah. I hate that. That drives me fucking crazy. It's the same reason that I was never happy really with the way things ended with Austin. Because more more or less the way that I count it, we're more or less all tied up. I mean, as far as just getting one up on the other. And of course he had a lot of stuff with surgeries and things like that, why he he couldn't be here all the time but that that was kind of open-ended for me too i mean it's it's closed up enough that i can let it go but as far as i'm concerned we never actually put a proper book end on that yeah and sarge basically you got a beginning and then the book was just done yeah this is frustrating to me it is i think it's kind of i think it's kind of frustrating for the fans to see that too all right well i can imagine but that's why it's frustrating to me like yeah. it's not frustrating to me because like i give a shit what sarge does like i'm there doing a job i'm, I'm trying to, to to sell you guys on on a product and i'm trying to make sure that you're entertained with whatever it is it's doing whenever we go into the beginnings of, of something and it gets cut off immediately and it's not because of lack of interest it's simply because dude up and ghosts that's really frustrating for yeah. me because I put a lot of time and effort into thinking about the directions that we can go with it and then it's all for naught. And every fan who even remotely bought in on the, hey, Sarge finally has that title now. What are we going to do? And then he up and disappears. I'm like, dude, that's like that's like a fuck you to the fans and a company that trusted you enough to put a title that they want to be important on you. Yeah, like we said, like we said, like we love Sarge, but it's just disappointing, you know? Yeah, and like I said, I do love Sarge. It's not, it's not me trying to shit on him. I'm sure he had important stuff that came up but at the same time there it wasn't a situation where he didn't retire he didn't take time off he was working other places yeah that's really my thing yeah if there had been if it had been a thing like oh i'm hurt i can't make it i that's totally different i mean you were sick for super the fourth super show like that was the first super show you missed but you were sick so well the and even then like I, so, coronavirus is still such a such a big thing, right? It is, and yeah. at the time, I didn't actually have coronavirus. I wasn't sick, but everyone in my family was. Everyone around me had coronavirus, and so even though I felt fine, it was it would have been irresponsible to right. Pass. Yeah, and we we appreciate you doing so, that. You know, I mean, that's just the like you said, responsible thing to do. That really sucked, though, because I was so bummed that whole day. I'm like, I'm going to miss Super Show. Yeah. Because like, this, this company is more important to me than any other company I've ever worked in. I'm far more invested in this company than, than any other. And I don't know. Like, it sucks that when I look back, I, I would have liked to have been able to say I never missed a, a Super Show. And I can't say that now. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was there in spirit. <laughs> oh, I, I, you're always here. <laughs> no matter what, like even when you're, even when, like, you know what? Let's not even. I was gonna say even when you're under the grave, but we don't have to talk about that. We don't. Let's not talk about that. Um. So after no, actually at Super Show, uh, Pinnacle reforms, mm. and you come back the next month. Uh, you fight Hollis for the vacant pure title, mm. and Hollis wins. But um, that's kind of when. You rejoined the Pinnacle. Right. Right. Um, love working with Hollis. Um, Hollis was the first one to take the title off of me uh, with the assist from Jeff. And so it's not very often that I've worked for a company 
who put a title on me and when it was time to drop it they were like who do you think we should we should give this to at the time that Hollis got that title I think I think he'd only been working two or three years like he he hadn't been doing much but the dude was just so I mean when you get in there with somebody and you're like how long you been working and you're expecting to say oh five or six years and they're like two or three you're like well that's fucking cool yeah right I mean because he just he he learned so quick and he's like a sponge and he's uh at the time I mean I, I can't even talk about him now like he's not seasoned because he feels so seasoned and of course now as time has gone by he, you know he he is but I was able to have a say in who I was going to hand that to and Hollis was the one that that I really wanted to drop it to and I was able to do that so to be able to come back all those you know, a couple years later, and, and do it again, and do it again. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I yeah. enjoyed that a lot because I, I love Hollis, and he's fucking super talented. That's the thing. There's a lot of guys that that are on the show. Like it's, it almost sounds like I'm just fucking boosting up everybody, but there's a lot of the guys on in our locker room that I I really have a high opinion of as not only people but as workers and as colleagues. And Hollis is definitely near the top of my of my of my list of guys that I'm like this. If we could just get a group, this core group right here, you'll never be unhappy with the product they put out. And Hollis is one of those guys. Yeah, shout out to Hollis, one of the big workhorses in CCW. Hollis is amazing. Uh, so I mean, like I guess I'm gonna go off topic here a little bit. Of the guys that like that, there's like certain guys, a core group of of dudes in CCW who are there all the time. That no matter who they're working with or what they're doing. You always know that you're not going to be disappointed with it. You know, Jackson, Hollis, um, Joey, and, and others. This is not just those guys, but, like, that. there's the certain core number of guys that you know. And even Ace, when Ace was there, when Ace was working with us regularly, and, and Espy. Like, those guys you know every time, to some degree or another, they're going to deliver. It's just nice to be in a locker room like that. Absolutely. But uh, putting the pure title on Hollis, uh, I think that was kind of a kind of to go back to what we were talking about earlier. I think that was a a good way to kind of shift you from the pure open weight title scene back to the heavyweight title scene because mm. Jeff Odell was still the general manager at that time and right. said, "Hey, join the Pinnacle. I'll make sure you get a heavyweight title shot." And then Jackson versus Brandon for the title the next month. Dude, I had a blast with that match. Even concussion and all. <laughs> That's the worst concussion I've ever fucking had. I've had quite a few, but the entire month leading up to the sh- to the next show, um, when I would get up, my whole world... It, it looked like someone flipped the screen on me. Like, the whole world would turn upside down. Like, oh, shit. I have to t- catch, my, catch my balance a little bit. I rattled my brain pretty good on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a it's a good thing we went on a little bit of a break after that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, we had. Two How long months. was that? Is it two months or I, three? I think that was the, I think that was the big six month one you were talking about. Oh, maybe that could be. That could be. I like I said I've been hitting the head a lot because I think the first one was three months, and then we had that September show, and then after that, um. It was October, December, January. I think it was because the first show back was the Charleston show in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. See, too many concussions. 
I can't keep up with my own timeline. Yeah, that's why you got the that's why you got the CCW histor historian <laughs> here. That's a that's a new gimmick I might try to get over. We'll see. Stay, stay stay tuned on that one. Make uh, shirts. Yeah. So um fast forward six months to Charleston. <laughs> Uh, well, we already had the whole thing going on with uh, Cash Borden taking the belt, mm -hmm. even though Jackson won it. Um, but you, you were kind of, a, I don't want to say a third wheel, but like you were kind of a, a third part. Like Jackson and Cash were kind of doing their thing, but you were kind of, you kind of came out of nowhere to make your claim for the belt. And at Charleston, you climbed the ladder and you won the belt for the second time. Fun match. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed working with all those guys. But the whole thing with uh, with Cash, so like, I was really looking forward to seeing because I think we actually had another plan too before Cash basically got cut in half because he was working over and wherever and got. I mean, he got cut up bad. Yeah, and I remember. Before his injury, we I, we were planning on more or less doing kind of a three way kind of situation there where Jeff more or less inserts me into it, trying to put the title in the pinnacle by any means necessary, and um, I think I would have enjoyed that that way of doing things a lot as well. But injuries happen, yeah, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you um if you haven't seen the cash board and injury, like it's it was a light tube spot, but you know. I think he got like forty something staples. Yeah, I think so. Like, like I seen him over at the Anna Fight Underground show the other day, and he still he was like he was good to go, but he was still like all scarred up. It was probably. I mean, I don't think I don't know that that'll ever be the same. Like, I, don't, I think he'll probably have that scar to some degree. Oh, definitely, forever. definitely. But you know, I mean, doing stuff like that comes with with a certain amount of risk. Yeah, and especially if. And this isn't to say that Cash doesn't know what he's doing with it, but if you have someone executing that who doesn't know what they're doing, it just increases the the risk. Right. And I don't know. Uh, I felt really bad to hear that had yeah. happened. Because, yeah. like I said, I, Cash is, is a cool guy, and I hate that that shit happened. Yeah, me too. But glad you're doing better, Cash. Shout, shout out to you, Cash, if you're listening to this. So um, you get the belt uh, last month. I think it was last month. Yeah. 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 I, even I have trouble remembering. I live day by day, so it's not, like... Well, not last month, but the month before that, I got the belt back in Charleston, and then I worked War Horse last yeah. month. Yeah, how was yeah. that? Well, I'm a big fan of War Horse, by War the way. War Horse is a cool dude, man. Uh, I, I... So, like, I enjoyed the match that we did. Uh, didn't do... Didn't go crazy. You know, didn't do a whole lot. And still managed to hurt myself. Um, he threw me into the post and I, I ate it with like the back of my shoulder and my feet and legs just sort of kept going and slung out from under me, landed up on my ribs and stuff. Um, and so I felt something pop and got a little weird. And so like, even now, like I had to be careful kind of how I'm moving, but the overall, it never affected the, the match. And I was still able to, to do everything I needed to do and had a good time with him. I look forward to doing more with him, but yeah, the only, the only thing about that, match in that night that I wish could have done a little differently was all day long I was dealing with a massive headache. I mean, just all night long. I couldn't get rid of it no matter what I was trying to do. But my my thought process, because I was so distracted, was a little off. And so even though we didn't didn't have any like big blunders or anything in the match, 
we intentionally kept it simplified, um, which at least I intentionally kept it simplified um, because I was I was worried that I would you know miss something or not be there when I needed to be there with my head. So I'm like, we need to just we need to keep this straightforward, simple walk and talk, and and it works out best that way anyway. Because if we're planning on doing multiple stuff, you don't you don't want to go out there and cash everything in all at once. So right. You give something to build to, but I would have liked to have done a little more than I did, but my head was yeah. not great. Well, I think um. I think you guys work pretty well together. The thing about Warhorse is like, I kind of started watching Warhorse when he was more of the the high flying wrestler. Yeah. And now to see him kind of work more on his gimmick and kind of you know kind of tone down the moves he does because you know the guy's getting older. Um, not saying he's dirt or anything, but no, like, not at all. like, like he could still go, but it's like. A lot more focus on his character and stuff. And I, think I, what, I think the styles you two brought mashed really well together. I think what you're seeing with Warhorse and his adjustment isn't so much age as much as um, intelligence over time. When you're younger, and especially, I mean, I, I can attest. I mean, I used to jump off of everything. I wasn't doing fancy flips. I was just jumping and, and hurting myself because, you know, you lay it all out there. As you get older, you realize a little wiser in the business. You, you understand that you can go out there and tell a story, and it's way better than just doing the crazy stunts for no reason. You build yeah. to those things. You need to have those things on occasion. But if that's mainly what you're hanging your hat on, you're wrecking your body in a business that wrecks your body regardless. So I think probably what you're seeing with, with Warhorse is intelligence and uh, adapting as, as a worker over time to know that there's a time and a place for that shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, that's kind of where we're at with the CCW timeline right now. Of course, uh, next month you're going to be defending the title again. Uh, Real quick, uh, go back on Fight TV, uh, order CCW Homecoming if you'd like to see that barbed wire versus warhorse match. But uh, also going to be on Fight TV May 29th, I believe. Uh, CCW Malevolence, you're going to be defending your title against Mike Bennett. Yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> I need to, uh, and I've been saying this, my work schedule's been just crazy busy. I mean, things just don't slow the hell down. But I need to take time to kind of go back and, and watch some of Mike's stuff and just get an idea of a, a good mindset around some stuff that, that I want to do because he has no frame of reference for me, right? It's not like Mike Bennett is sitting at home looking at Brandon Barbar matches sure. by any means. Yeah. But um, if I can be in the right mindset whenever he gets there, at least I can lend a few thoughts and ideas to his work style and find a way. Because really with my work style, I'm, I, I mean, I have a very... Um, Attitude era work style, I think. Yeah, I see that. Um, a lot of brawler shit. Um, and, of course, because that's that's the, the timeline that I enjoyed the most, probably. Um, so, the best thing about that, though, is that I feel like the Attitude Era meshes in well with every other era. Like, you can take a little bit of the Attitude Era and throw it with every other style and come out with something that was pretty dope. And so I, I look forward to doing that. Yeah, I think the attitude, the the attitude era, um, had like I like to say it's overrated, but just because people talk about it a lot. But like looking back at it, 
um it had everything you know yeah it had it literally had everything it had the storytelling it had the the wrestlers wrestlers like it had it had it all I think a lot of it too is like people get stuck on like what was the main event in that time and especially coming into like uh, Stone Cold because he was a lot of punch kick punch kick you know stomp 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 stunner yeah and a lot of those guys relied a lot on that that brawler mentality uh, in the main event at that time and there's there's nothing wrong with that I mean yeah and you can blend it in with with every other style but the thing is is that that particular era of wrestling, I know that it's easy to pin it as is overrated because everybody won't, wouldn't shut the hell up about it when they were disappointed with everything John Cena was doing. I was like, why is this more <laughs> like the Attitude Era? Right. Why do we got to be so kid-friendly? But there was a lot of stuff in the Attitude Era that those guys could go. I mean, they, they, could, they could work their asses off. And I just, I feel like nowadays... The business has changed so much and evolved now. I mean, you can see three Canadian destroyers in one match, <laughs> right? And the Attitude Era, you, I mean, maybe you would see two or three stunners eventually, but, I mean, that was always the build-up crescendo to the end of a feud that had lasted almost a fucking year. You know, there was there was something, there was a, there was a history behind it that made it make sense. Right. I kind of missed that a little bit. I mean, and it's not that it's completely missing from wrestling now, and I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, that's garbage, because shit looks cool, and people seem to like it, but there is a piece of me that wishes that those real big moves weren't just brushed off. Yeah, we don't, we don't see enough of the psychology anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, um, like we said, Mike Bennett next month, um... We usually do, uh, so we, I don't know if you listen to Four Sides, but... Um, I, I have. Okay, well, thanks. <laughs> but uh, we kind of do, uh, we kind of like to do a little preview of the shows and kind of make our predictions on who's going to win. Um, okay. I'm not just saying this because you're here, but, like, you're my pick because, kind of like you said, um, Mike Bennett's off doing whatever Mike Bennett's doing, probably taking a lot of indie bookings. And you're kind of here, like, you're just, you're, you you have a liar schedule, you have more time to look at his footage, and um, there's not as much Brandon Barbwire footage nope. to watch as there is Mike Bennett footage, so. I think but that's that, by I, design. That you is, see, yeah. if I don't let people record me, it's hard to research me yeah. in my head. Yeah, <laughs> so that definitely gives you the advantage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I pick me too. <laughs> so yeah come check out ccw on may 29th ccw malevolence um we'll be at the ac Brazil arena building um, i'm sure we'll be doing a little preview episode on that in the future so um if you can't be there um order it on fight tv it's going to be on fight tv but if you want to come in person tickets are at capewrestling.com uh front row sold out think there's a few second rows left so let's get into some fan questions. Um, so I actually put out a post the other day. I do this every once in a while, maybe every four months, asking who I should bring on as a guest, and almost everybody said you. Nice. So nice. You have a very overwhelming response, and we got quite a few fan nice. questions here for you. Um, some of them are workers too, but you okay. know, <laughs> we don't discriminate. 
Um, so Michaela Minton, very loyal fan of the Four Sides podcast, actually has the top fan badge. Nice. Um, she wants to know your favorite movie. Oh shit! <laughs> all right. So first of all, Michaela, I uh, I love movies. Um, I'm aside from wrestling, movies is kind of all I fucking do. Um, I don't know that I can tell you that I have an absolute favorite movie. I like a ton of different movies. Um, so I guess if I was going to give you a, a short list of some of my favorite movies, um, I loved Endgame. I don't know if it's one of my favorite movies, but I loved Endgame. Um, the original uh, Michael Keaton uh, Batman movie is one of my favorite movies. It links right back to my childhood. The original uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, um, again, links right back to my childhood. But that movie still holds up, by the way. Um, the sequel, not so much. Either one of them. Um, and then I, I did not, I didn't like the, uh, the newer iteration of the Ninja Turtles live action all that much. Um, absolute, if, if I was going to try and pick an absolute favorite movie, Jesus, that's a hard question. Maybe, maybe Back to the Future 1. Alright, interesting. Maybe. Uh, unpopular opinion, maybe popular opinion. Um, Endgame, like the end of Endgame was so perfect, like, and I don't know if they have any future plans to make other Avenger movies. I'm sure they do, because they do. you know money. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to continue on. It'll just be with yeah. uh, different heroes and different characters. Yeah, but like, from a fan perspective, like, appreciating... I guess more of the the story in it. Like I think that should have been the last Avengers movie. I guess I get that to an extent, especially like were you were you a big comic book fan in general? Uh, kind of a lot of comics and stuff. Eh, kind of. I'm not. I don't really consider myself like a big comic book fan, right. but I, I kind of have a little bit of knowledge of it. So the issue that that I have with with that comes from the fact that any comic line it always continues forward to some extent or another. And there's always tie-ins and a million different storylines that, that kind of alter in different alternate realities and things like that. But these characters always continue. And okay. that's that's one of the things about that universe that's so cool is in a couple years, um, you'll be looking at heroes that didn't have the spotlight on them that they really should have. Kind of like Iron Man. They turned Iron Man into something special. Before the Iron Man movie came out, most people did not give a flying fuck about Iron Man. Right. So when we continue on with these stories, we're, we're allowing it to hit a larger audience and shine a light on characters that most people don't know a fucking thing about, like Moon Knight, and at one time Black Panther. So it'll be a different kind of Avengers, it'll be a different team, but I do see the, the upside to continuing it going forward because as we fade out of these heroes that everyone's familiar with, they get to fall in love with new ones, and all that does is generate more fans for the comic lines of those characters who have been so overlooked. Sure. I guess I was just kind of looking at it more from a movie story perspective. Oh, I get yeah. that. I just, I can't help but look at it from a broader Sure, I thing. get that. Um, back to wrestling. Um, Ryu Kendrick, uh, he was on the Four Sides podcast not too long ago. Um, he wants to know, who would you like to defend your CCW title against in the future? Mm. 
I wonder if he means in CCW, like a CCW regular, or if he means maybe some outside talent. That's So I guess I'll do both. Yeah. Uh, outside talent, uh, Kenny Omega. It'd be nice to get a victory over that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might collect your belt if you're not careful. Nonsense. <laughs> I Nonsense, Caleb. I think he... No, I think he can. <laughs> um... Inside the company, uh, guys that are with us on the, on the regular. Hmm. Justin. Justin Smart. Justin Smart. All right. I think that'd be good. That'd be good. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. It seems like you guys, while we were talking earlier, you guys kind of didn't really get to finish your yeah. business. So, I mean, and that'd to be... pick it up over a title and to be able to call back that stuff. Oh, definitely. That could be pretty cool. Absolutely. I hope that happens eventually. I hope so, too. Like, I know Justin's doing the whole tag team thing with Donnie right now, but, I mean, I hope we get more barbed wire versus Justin Smart in the future. Me, too. I think that'd be fun. Um, Mike and Knight, uh, also a former guest on the Four Sides podcast. Um, hi, first, Micah. Yeah, first of all, she says hi. <laughs> um, we all love Micah. Um, Me, too. What's the What's your favorite match you've ever had? Oh. Oh. Jeez. This is a bit of a thinker. Well, shit, I've had so many. <laughs> and... Mm, oh, God, that's so cliche. Uh, <laughs> maybe... Maybe Matt Hardy. Yeah, I was going to say Matt Hardy, too. But probably not for the reason that you think. Uh, you would probably assume I choose him because he was just, at the time that he came, he was arguably the biggest indie name before he went and him and Jeff went back to WrestleMania and shit. So there's that, and that, that was a big enough deal in itself. But at one point, I hit him with that Trouble in Paradise kick that I do, and I heard all of Cape Girardeau fucking cheer. And that was pretty fucking awesome. So that one moment in that whole match might put it on top of everything you know i was thinking earlier today because i knew we were doing this tonight like i know you're more of a brawler style but i think sometimes uh some of the fans or maybe even some of the workers don't appreciate just how athletic you can be at times well they don't see it a lot you know i um it's one of those I it, it, it. yeah it's it's one of those it's one of those as i like to call them tricks up the sleeve you know yeah like you pull it out when it when needed, when it matters. Exactly. If I did it all the time, it wouldn't mean shit. Right. But whenever you don't really expect it from me, and I can pull it out when it's necessary, that that gun always stays effective. So I can always go back to that weapon. Absolutely. Dalton Anthony, also another guest on the Four Sides podcast recently. You had that piece of shit on your show, unbelievable. <laughs> now I love Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, he he says he just wants you to talk about him a little bit. I think he just wants some love. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking for. Give him what you will. All right, well, uh, Dalton's, uh, Dalton's started training with uh, the CCW Training Grounds and going over to uh, Stride and training over there. And when I first met Dalton, honestly, I kind of thought, I bet he's not going to stick this out. I'm gonna... I didn't know him. I had a misjudgment on him. I fucked up because the dude is a hard worker for one uh secondly he's he's not 
He's not frail by any means. The dude can take an ass whipping. Um, but he's got a good work ethic, and he's got a great attitude. And anytime I ever need him to do anything, whether it's set up or run through drills with with some of the guys uh, at the beginning of CCW who are doing the uh, the training thing and setting up, like I know I can rely on Dalton. Dalton is probably the most reliable fucking guy there. Uh, and maybe maybe that's a little biased on my part because I I don't really ask a bunch of other people. I ask him because I know he's reliable. That's not to say that the others aren't. But he's battle tested. Like I know I can trust him. Yeah, couldn't have said. Him. Yeah, couldn't have said that better myself. Definitely reliable. Yeah. Uh, before that, I was gonna say I'm gonna upload this. It, whenever I eventually make a YouTube a YouTube channel, I'm gonna like just take that clip and I'm gonna I'm gonna title it Brandon Barbwire shoots on Dalton Anthony, <laughs> 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 like everybody on YouTube does. Uh, uh, Big John, another loyal fan of the Four Sides podcast. Jonathan Graham, uh, why are you scared to fight Dalton Anthony? Uh, Big John. Big John. Okay. Okay. I already told you why. He's battle-tested. <laughs> yeah, he don't want to stop. He doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> also, I wouldn't want to hurt my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I would hurt him bad. You hear that, Dalton? You bring it. Jerry Looney. Uh, I've had everybody on the Four Sides podcast by now. Uh, Jerry's a good ref. Yeah, yeah. Apparently you're mean to him, though. That's what he said. Why are you so mean to me? Well, okay. So I'm mean to all the refs. That's not just you. I have a certain job that I'm trying to get done, and your job is to uh, get in my way. That's the way that I that I see it. Like, if I decide that I want to do something a little underhanded, I can't have you there feeling all cocky and thinking you can tell me exactly what to do and how to do it. You need to have some apprehension. You need to be a little worried whenever you approach me in a professional manner. And that's just my opinion of it. So it's not that I dislike you. It's, it's strictly business. Strictly business. Well, that's about all the fan questions we got here. Um, Love you, Jerry. Yeah, we love you, Jerry. Shout out to Jerry. <laughs> uh, we're actually going to be going up to Indianapolis next weekend. We're going up there for the Squared Circle Expo and uh, oh, Pro cool. Wrestling Train Wreck. Also going to have uh, Noah Hudson, uh, who's not here. Uh, and Big Lee's going to be coming with us, too. Shout out to Big Lee. Mandatory Big Lee's World Plug. And Big Lee's awesome. Yeah, love Big Lee. Yeah, um, I know you said you're, because of past injuries and stuff, you're just kind of trying to choose where you work and stuff but like is there like like i know i think you went down to work with redeemed wrestling not too long ago oh yeah yeah uh, yeah i did um i don't mean to cut you off what what was the overall question uh so i was just gonna kind of ask like is there any plans to like try to find other places to work or are you just kind of with ccw right now kind of content with what you're doing you know that question is something I ask myself all the time. Like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to figure out how I can balance getting more, more of what, I, what I'm passionate about into my life. And right now, the main source of that is CCW. But of course, I'm also a father. I'm a husband. And I have, I have a lot going on here. And... 
it's not the same whenever I run down to to redeemed. It's not like I'm coming back with the kind of payoff that's going to take care of us for a week. Right. You know? So I have to kind of figure out how to balance out that schedule. Would I like to work more places? Would I like to get out there and be able to commit the time? Yes, but really that's the issue. Anywhere I go, I don't want to be disrespectful to that company. I don't want to be disrespectful to any of that crew. If I'm going to be there, I need to know that I can be relied upon to be there. Yeah, I get that. That's really my, my main thing is just finding a, a spot where I know I can reliably be there. And a lot of these shows are weekly shows. And if you ask me, can I be there every single week? I just don't think that it could happen. Yeah. I mean, unless they were, unless they were going to pay my bills. Sure. If they're paying my bills... Absolutely. Yeah. No disrespect to them, but I don't think Redeem Wrestling is going to pay your bills, though. No. I mean... Nice, great... I mean, I had a great time there. I enjoyed my time there. Um, They were very good to me, and I can't speak to to them past that. But I would be more than happy to go back, but even when I went to them, it was under the understanding when I went to that company, like, hey, I can be here every once in a while, but I cannot be a regular. Sure. 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 Um, so, uh, if you were to kind of expand, maybe do other monthly shows, like, I know, uh, just to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit, I know we were at a mutual show over mm-hmm. the weekend, like, uh, what were, what would be, I don't know how much you follow other places, but like, what are some places you might be interested, if you were to go to other places? Uh, Game Changer would be a bomb situation i would love to to work there i would enjoy that uh zero one i'd like to work there um let's see uh what's uh oh shit uh gateway gateway is that what it is um were you thinking like st louis yeah st louis area uh, there's there's a lot of them in St. Louis. There's uh... the, 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 and this I can't even remember the name of the company. I just know the guys that work on the card, and I enjoy being around them. So I'd like to go up there too. Um, and then of course, I think everybody at this point would love to be able to do something with with AEW. Oh, uh, I don't. I'm not asking for a fucking contract. I just would enjoy being able to do something with the company. Sure. Um, Maybe go down there and do a dark or something. Yeah, I mean that, that would be that would be great. And if they wanted to to give me a contract, I don't think I'd argue too much. But... Right. I mean that's a that's a good way to support your family. You know? Right. Yeah. At that <laughs> point, I I could figure it out. I think. I mean, I'd hate to see it go, but I mean, if it ever came to that, you know, I'd kind of be disappointed if you turned it down. I'll look at it this way: I'd have to be an idiot to have done everything that I've done to my body, have somebody offer me an opportunity to to actually support my entire family with it, and, and not like, take nah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Because here's the thing. Even if I was under contract for a year and then my body was just used up and spent, it's still a year that I took care of me and my entire family doing... That That pretty much achieves every goal I've ever had. Even if it was only for a year, like the whole thing was... For a while, I was able to take care of just me wrestling. But once I had kids, that, that changed. Yeah. You know, like I can't take care of a, a whole family with, with wrestling the way that I was doing it anyway. Um, to have the opportunity to do that would pretty much be me accomplishing everything I, I, I wanted because it was never about being the biggest name in the business. It was just about being able to make a living for me and whatever family I was going to have with it. Sure. I mean, even if you were with AEW for a year and then you never wrestled after that, like you could still say, hey, I'm a, 
I'm an AEW. I, I used to be an AEW star. I'm a, I, right. I can go to conventions and charge 25 bucks for a picture. Right. That, gener <laughs> that generates revenue outside of Definitely. the company as well. Definitely. And I, I'm not going to pretend that that's not a big thing, right. too. Because that would allow me to, even after I left, be able to jump on the indies and make a living there as well. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, we always uh, we always talk about dream opponents for whoever we have on here. Any dream opponents, like it can be anybody from the past. It could be somebody current. Like this is a this is a no limits question, really. Okay. There was a point in time when the answer to this probably would have been McFoley. Cactus Jack in specific. Okay. Um, I see that. Mainly because like I I was never in the best of shape in general, and there was a point in time when I was like, if that guy did it by sacrificing his body and putting in the hard work and being reliable, then I can do it. I don't have to be the the freak specimen of a man to do what I want to do. Like he did. So I think that would be a lot of fun, but of course, you know, in his reasonably in his prime. Yeah. And if if we're getting to to rewind the hands of time a little bit, I would like to uh, be healthy as well. I'd like to go back and have that match before my neck was jacked up. Right. I think the styles between you and Cactus Jack would. Did I say Cactus Jack? Wow. I know you said it right. I don't say Cactus. Okay. Well, I'll take. I thought you did. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> But I think you guys' styles, like, both of you and your primes would be spectacular. It was hard. I mean, and that's the thing, too. Like, who the hell doesn't want to work Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, right. Triple H? But if I'm looking at guys that I think, who who would I have the most chemistry with? Who, who would I hit the hardest with? I mean, because anybody can have a good match with Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It's almost impossible as long as you just shut the fuck up. And, and do your job and listen, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But with uh, with Mick, and it's, it's not to, to sell him short by any means, but I feel like my style and his style at that time, they just would have meshed really well together. Definitely, yeah. Uh, one of my personal, this is more of a current day one, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we've had conversations about this before, and your stance on it is like, hey, if somebody books it, I'll do it. Uh, right. You and Nick Gage, I think you guys' styles would... Uh, mash together pretty well too. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that would be a fun match, and I'd be I'd be fine to do it. I think the only thing that I would worry about is given my neck and that whole situation. I would want to make sure that what we did could be both hard hitting, but not in my career. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's definitely. that's the thing, and I think I mean obviously that's that's always something that you're that you're looking for, but. I would enjoy working with him. The only thing I would worry about is making sure that I don't water it down. Sure, definitely. And so uh, I think it would be a good match. I don't really worry that I would have that problem. But in the back of my head, I would I would be telling myself, oh, you should do this. But like, eh, now you're beginning reckless. You know what I mean? I tend to want to wanna overstep my boundaries. I mean, a lot of people listening to this are probably thinking like, it would have to be a death match because it's Nick Gage, but um, I've actually seen some regular Nick Gage matches that are just kind of 
hard hitting and aggressive kind of like your style yeah. without like without light tubes and stuff maybe chairs involved every once in a while but like see and not, I'm not actually fine with all of that I'm fine with, with doing that as long as it's I would just need to have a conversation with Nick beforehand sure and make sure that he sure. understands where he might paralyze me and where he wouldn't yeah and believe it or, <laughs> believe, believe it or not I've heard through people that actually Nick Gage is probably one of the more safer wrestlers when it comes to you can things. see it in his style yeah like if you want if you watch him work you can see it and so and that's why i'm not opposed to it i i would enjoy it like he knows what he's doing i know he's not going to kill me definitely um well not intentionally anyway <laughs> but um there are some guys that have a very reckless style about them and nick's nick doesn't have that and like i said i would definitely do it if someone would book it i would just it'd be one of those things where i would find myself going you really need to to step it up yeah, you need to hit harder. You need to put yourself at risk more. Because right now, my my main focus is doing this as long as I can, because I don't know who I am without it. Right. And on top of that, I don't know when this is over, what becomes of of me from a mental health perspective alone. So stretching out my time as much as I can is important to me. And working with someone like Nick, where this has to be one of the times where I throw that shit aside and just go and do my do my thing, and it I, I would enjoy that. Yeah, but it just couldn't be something I did every week. Sure, absolutely, I get that. Like Nick Gage, whenever he comes out, he's like, well, he swears a lot. He swore a lot. You weren't there at Super Show. I'm I'm kind of sad you kind of missed out. You missed Nick Gage being there. Shit, like, you and me both. <laughs> but <laughs> like to be there. But like the thing about Nick, like whenever he's in the back, like he's one of the coolest motherfuckers ever. Yeah. Like I think I was, I think I was there doing podcast recording that day with Jackson, and afterwards I'm just kind of sitting outside, and Gage comes in. He sees me in my Game Changer shirt. And he's seen me a few times after that. I mean, before that, he's seen me a few times before that. And he just walks up to me, acts like he knows me. Like, he's one of the coolest dudes on earth. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been around him on a few occasions. He always seems very nice. Have you? Yeah, I wasn't working the show. I was just there. Oh, okay. All right. Um, So we're kind of getting to the, the wrap-up point, I guess. Um, Any final thoughts, Brandon? Hmm. Well... I think everybody should come to the show. I think that's very important. Very important. I think uh, I think anybody who's listening to this, if you if you have friends or family who are kind of out of the loop on it, try and bring them in, man. Because the show is on an upward trajectory. We we put ourselves in a spot now after all the time off and all the halts and coronavirus. We're on an upswing. We've got the momentum going. We're back on Fight TV. We're putting out a good product. I am the CCW Heavyweight Champion, so you can bet your ass I'm going to make it fucking mean something. Come out to the show. I promise you, you're not going to leave disappointed. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my thought process on it. Yeah, again, uh, capewrestling.com if you want to get tickets to that show May 29th. It's going to be in Cape Girardeau, Missouri at the AC Brossi Arena building. Come out. Uh, see Brandon Barbwire take the fight to Mike Bennett and... Probably retain his title. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm retained. I'm retained. Oh, definitely. Um, Brandon, if you wish for people to do so, where can they find you at on social media? Pretty much Facebook is Brandon Ball. Here's the thing. I'm really bad about promoting myself. I always have been. I I guess I'm just too (laughs) level-headed. I don't... 
uh, and even then, like it used to just be Brandon Barbar because like my Facebook page is strictly for wrestling. I don't use it, but someone said Barbar is not his real name, and then they made me change it to Anderson. So look up Brandon Anderson on Facebook. That's about the one place where we'll get interaction. You'll catch promos and things like that. Yeah, I got a thing. I you guys just heard a ding. Apparently, I got low storage on my computer, so I'm gonna have to figure that out before we export this episode. But <laughs> but uh, you can find Four Sides Podcast at Four Sides IV on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, make sure you hit like and follow on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all your other select podcast platforms. Uh, if you'd like to support Four Sides. Financially, you can go over to T Public and grab you a T-shirt, grab you a mask, uh, whatever we got over there. We got a lot of stuff. Um, of course, if you want that link tree, go to Twitter. It's in the description. I'm gonna work on making that a little easier to say in the future. Uh, Brandon, um, it's been a long time coming getting you on here. Just thanks for everything, supporting me like in wrestling and some of my other endeavors and mental health and stuff. No oh, man, so. thanks for having me and all that other all that other stuff is is my pleasure. I mean, that's what you do as a decent human being, right? Yeah. If we're not in this together, we're alone. Absolutely. So well, it was an honor to have you on here finally. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I I really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for listening to this lengthy but very good episode of Four Sides, and we will see you next time. Peace.